0: hello everyone and welcome to another show brought to you by yahoo sports canada you guys already know the deal like subscribe share with your friends leave comments if they're positive because that's what we want we want good vibes there seems to be good vibes with the team we want good vibes in here we've got chris walder who is king of good vibes chris what is up how are you
1: the king of good vibes i'm gonna put that on my resume I feel like that's hard to top. Like if some employer out there wants to hire me and they say King of Good Vibes, literally the first thing I put out there, it's going to be hard to turn me down. The
0: Raptor should hire you. I mean, they have Jakob, who's been seeming to bring some good vibes in, but if they want to inject some more.
1: Well, I don't know. They they made I don't know if they need my size out there. I mean, they got like this this vibe going on with the 68 guys. They now got a a big man, a 7-footer out there with purple. Can you handle I don't the ball know If a I bit? fit the criteria, can I can I handle the ball? Absolutely not. I'm I'm the kind of guy that just like sitting on my couch and watching basketball. If you throw me out there on the hardwood, Lord have mercy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, well, Chris, you have your podcast returning. I want to say everyone, Walder Sportscast is out. I was the guest today, so you know if you're not sick of me already, <laughs> you get to double up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> two two for the price of one we got the Walder sportscast we got me coming on here to talk some raptors cavaliers i think one you ended have the up advantage. a little bit better than the other yeah i know because we didn't have to talk about this game two uh-huh. thumbs up for this guy
0: yeah yeah you definitely have the advantage there because i this is the longest intro ever because i'm just delaying talking <laughs> about that game i don't want to talk about that game that was um you know ugly <laughs> i think that was <laughs> one way to put it uh, so we're we're talking, we're recording right after the Raptors lost to the Cleveland Cavaliers somewhere by like 100 points, I think, uh, was the final score. Um, Chris, what were your thoughts on that game?
1: You know, it started off bad when I absolutely forgot the game started at six. I don't know why I was under the impression that it was starting at 630. So I'm in the kitchen washing dishes. My wife turns on the TV and is like, you know, you're missing the game. And I'm like, uh-oh. So I plop down, I get my laptop out, and I, I start taking notes. At that point, the game was still somewhat enjoyable. But, you know, via the, the instant replays and rewinding of my television, I come to learn that, you know, Scotty Barnes was was not on the official's best side. And it resulted in Nick Nurse getting a little bit upset and getting a technical foul. And that was kind of like the story early on in the game was why are these officials not kind of making it a little more even keel here? The Cavaliers were getting a bulk of the, the friendly whistles, and the Raptors could do no good on defense or on offense. So when, when the game starts off like that, and, and like we just said, the vibes are immaculate when we started this podcast, but on the court, it was anything but. And I think a lot of that had to do with the officiating. You, you can only blame them so much, but at the same time, some of those calls were pretty bad. But you know, it, the the story of the game to me was that the Raptors were always kind of clawing their way back in, but no matter what Cleveland consistently had an answer and their ultimate answer was Donovan Mitchell, a guy who the Raptors have essentially had his number uh, during earlier meetings in the season, but I feel like he kind of like was like uh, this that's not happening anymore. The Raptors kind of uh, held me to, you know, single digits or, or low scoring numbers early on in the season. Now I'm going to make them pay. And- yeah. Boy, did he do that <laughs> by just yeah. torching us from outside. No matter what the Raptors did defensively, he was hitting some incredibly difficult shots. And when Donovan Mitchell is on like that, there's not a lot the Raptors could do. As good as they've been defensively, if he's hitting shots like that, it's game over for Toronto. So obviously a lot of ugly basketball on our side. And then Cleveland just brought it offensively, especially from Mitchell.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, this isn't a game that's going, Um, you know, if you want O'Jana Nobi on your all defensive teams, this is not going to be a game to, to really highlight of his, in my opinion. Um, Also, offensively, the team just did not have it. I think in order to keep pace with this Cleveland Cavaliers team, yes, you kind of have to stop a guy like Donovan Mitchell, a guy like Darius Garland, who's getting, uh, I think he had like eight of their first, like, I don't know, 10 points early on. That might be, Pascal Siakam, who had that for the Toronto Raptors instead. But no, Darius Garland was definitely going off early on as well for them. In order to stop that attack, one of those two guys from going off, um, yeah, the Raptors do have the defense to do that, but they also have to be able to match something on the offensive end. And I think this game was an absolute slugfest offensively. Now, there's been a lot of talk about Fred Van Vliet and his role on the team and yada, yada, yada. I think that like, and I tweeted this out, and I think you had a, a tweet that's sort of similar Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, but to me, the idea is there's been so much talk on this Raptors team about guys wanting bigger (laughs) rules, And it's like, okay, games like this show up. And this is kind of where you have to go out there and prove it and do it. And so I was looking for OG to get going. I was looking for Gary to get going. And I think Part of it is with any of these lineups, you're only going to have two spacers out there. So unfortunately, OG does really need to be camped out in the corner. Otherwise, none of these guys have any spacing to work with. So the Raptors' hands are really tied here. I think we're seeing the lack of a point guard. There were, what, seven turnovers, it felt like, in the first quarter. Um, So many sort of, like, misreads and bad reads and and just the ball was sort of flying all over the place. This is a team that never turns the ball over in the last three games, have turned it over a ton. Now, my question to you is, what did you think – this team really looked like in the offensive end. And what are you looking for from guys like Gary NOG when the team is really looking for one of them to step up offensively?
1: Yeah, this was one of the the games that the Raptors really missed Fred Van Vliet. And they were looking for that, that second guy to really step up. I mean, no one was doubting what Pascal Siakam was doing out there. He was taking over. But I think the consensus on Raptors Twitter was, okay, so who else is going to do something? And there were stretches where Scotty Barnes was looking to facilitate and, you know, try and get a guy like OG and an OB going or, and, you know, Gary Trent Jr. had his looks, but he he was pretty cold from the field on this night. So who was going to be that number two guy? And, you know, Pirtle got his buckets. More of them were just kind of looks around the basket and clean up attempts like that. And again, Scotty had his moments, but at the same time, this was the type of game that the Raptors really missed Van Vliet. And he has the best excuse in the world. Congratulations to him and his family. They just had another child. So congratulations to the Raptors, the 2023 NBA champions, uh, if uh, history has taught us anything. But yeah, at the same time, I think it, it was a lot of ugly basketball. And this, these are the moments you call on a guy like Fred Van Lee not only for what he brings on the court, but for his leadership intangibles. The fact that no matter what the Raptors were doing, and again, emotions were riding high early on. This is obviously a big game against a key uh, figure in the Eastern Conference playoff hunt. And so when the officiating wasn't going their way, they got the technical foul and there was some complaining about what was and wasn't that happening. You like, you, you like steady Freddie's presence out yeah. there. In moments like that, you like his ability to stretch the floor. You like his ability to run the pick and roll with Pirtle. So when the offense was going cold and a guy like Anna nobody wasn't stepping up, like you just kind of alluded to, Gary Trent Jr. was cold. That's kind of where the offense fell apart.
0: I completely agree. And I think like looking at sort of the, the advantages that a guy like Fred VanVleet or any sort of guard that you're going to have there um, has or, or gives you is – the, the pick and roll game that you just mentioned with Yaka Purtle, you're looking for some ways to get sort of easy offense. We can look to the Orlando Magic game where those teams were, that team specifically was blitzing Fred Van They were pressing up so incredibly high and they were sending two guys at him. And I think when we're looking at who the Raptors have currently who can maybe run a pick and roll with Yaka Purtle, nobody else is a good enough three-point shooter to be able to do that. You need to be a pull-up three-point threat in order for teams just not to go under every single time to take that off. <laughs> so you need to be able to do that. And I think Five Van Vliet is really the only person who can, outside of Gary Trent Jr., who can have a pull through, three. But I don't think I've seen Gary Trent Jr. Uh, in a pick-and-roll that didn't land no. in. Gary not taking some really <laughs> ill-advised, uh, kind of to the side, <laughs> mid-range shot that he has no business taking. But um, actually, no, he knocks them down uh, quite often. But there is no real pick-and-roll threat if you don't have that pull-up game. But beyond that, Tonight, the Cavs were also pressing up incredibly high on the Raptors ball handlers, which was, you know, Fred Van- not Fred VanVleet, Pascal Siakam and Scotty Barnes. And to me, the issue was they didn't really have sort of an outlet to get that. Like there was just no next step. It just felt like the offense was stopped right out the gate. Right. Because when you're pressing up so high, you kind of have to do everything from from. From, from much higher out, you don't get that sort of advantage. And it, to me, like, I, I don't even know how to parse my words this late. Who does pods this late? William Lou, how do you do this? Um, but <laughs> I just think, I think it's like, I I just was watching this. Like, it, it looked, I, maybe I had a defeatist mindset coming into this, but it just looked like it was being stopped right away because they were pressing up so high and you just don't have guys that are good enough ball handlers to be able to really deal with that. They didn't even need to blitz them. They didn't need to send the double there. It was just... Who's your outlet? Where's that going to go? And I don't know, like I just, you need a point guard on this team. It's so important. I think today's game showed it. There was also this tweet from Kirthika, who is the queen of stats. She said, Raptors had a 117.1 offensive rating and averaged 116.5 points in 23, which is fantastic, (laughs) right? In 23 games from January 1st to the All-Star break. In the three games since... 102 102 offensive rating so we're talking about a difference of 15 um and they're only averaging 101 points per game so yes you need a point guard to run and initiate your offense it was seen tonight obviously the pistons and you know the pelicans without zion are not the caliber of talent that the cleveland cavaliers are so unfortunately you ran up against a better team without one player who you desperately need. And I think what we're seeing, especially with the addition of Jakob Pertle, is like positions matter <laughs> for a team that wanted to play positionless and just have a bunch of six nine guys. Positions do matter and you do need to have a, a center, not just a nominal center and you do need to have a point guard. Um so yeah, that's just my whole rant about that. I miss you, but I'm glad uh congratulations to the entire Van Vliet family on the newest edition. That's beautiful news. Can we move past the ugliness of this game or did you have anything else to add?
1: Yeah, I was, I mean, honestly, I was kind of disappointed with how stagnant the offense got, the ball yeah. wasn't moving. And the problem is, is that when you're doing the driving kicks up, which they're accustomed to doing, and we were harsh on Ananobi because his bread and butter is standing in the corner and hitting three-pointers, is that the Cavaliers knew the Raptors weren't hitting water if they fell out of a boat and how ugly it got. And that's why you saw Nick Nurse go deep into his bench, and that's why we saw Joe Wieskamp out there um, camp, which also, I was saying Wise
0: Camp this morning. Turns out I was wrong. It is. Yeah, bizarre.
1: I know. I, I caught that too. And I was like, I had to go on YouTube and it's like, this, this is how we pronounce <laughs> it, right? Okay. So Weis Camp. Um, but he his sole role is out there. He's kind of like the Jason Capono of the team. He, he's not expected yeah. to do much else besides space the floor and hit shots. But yeah. then he had two straight three pointers, which didn't hit the rim at all. But that's how desperate Nick Nurse was getting. He was going deep into his bench. Eventually, you know, he emptied the bench with Malachi Flynn and Banton and, and Ron Harper for junior going out there but yeah disappointing to say the least just because again this was the raptors first true test since acquiring yaka Pertle and and how good the team has looked uh up until this point again you can't really gauge the team's success when you're beating the you know the zionless pelicans or the orlando magic i mean the jazz game really should have been a w for the raptors but that ended horribly as well so not a good sign with this being a test against a, a true contender in the Eastern Conference. I'm not looking too much into it. I'm not yeah. buying the fact as well that you know this is a back to back. Um, you know, Cleveland and, and Detroit. It's not the biggest uh, trip in the world, but at the same time, you know, the Raptors. Detroit beat is by the a better
0: biggest. Th- I mean, winning against Detroit is kind of your championship. So they they just had a championship hangover. To be fair,
1: they yeah, the and... Does the Dwayne Casey curse exist anymore? I mean, we've I beaten know. them a few times in the last uh, but few. But they're always such
0: ugly games. They always go right down bad. the wire. They are Exactly, yeah, but they're don't look at
1: the box score because the Raptors technically only barely beat the Pistons. But that—that's another story. But uh, again, I'm not looking too much into this defeat. I think it was just a bad night from a, uh, against a really good team. And when Donovan Mitchell, like I said, is uh, scoring and hitting those types of sh- types of shots, so you kind of have to just wave the white flag and call it a call it a game and move on to the next one.
0: Yeah, no, I completely agree. I completely agree with that. But you know what? Things haven't been all doom and gloom. There are 20 games left in the regular season. Considering the fact that the Raptors have been kind of on the upswing with 20 games out, What do you think they do? If I, if I asked you to look into your crystal ball and ask, you know, do the Raptors finish 10 and 10 in their final 20, they have some, you know, they have, I think the toughest schedule at one point it was the, you know, top five, but I think today I saw that it was toughest just because the, the strength of schedule, the strength of remaining schedule does not take into account the time that you were playing a team, right? So if you're playing Boston or Milwaukee on the final games of the season and the Raptors, I think played Boston twice and Milwaukee once in the final three games, do those teams actually really care? Do they actually care about those games? And I also think in terms of strength of schedule, because I see people really, really harping on this, the NBA has the most parity that it's ever had, right? So when we're talking about strength of schedule, like playing the Lakers, who are like three games back of whatever the seven or six seed is in the West makes a huge difference when you're looking at strength of schedule. But in reality, we're talking about a team with a three game difference, right? Like when everyone is so bunched up, especially in the Western Conference, really, caring about whatever the strength of remaining schedule is, I think is a little bit overblown, but you can, you want to take a look. I didn't even ask you to prep by taking a look at what the teams are, but if you just had to wager a guess, what would you think the Raptors do in their final 20 games?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the goal at this point is to at least finish with a record above 500 um, easier said than done. they are only two games below 500 right now, and there's still plenty of time to go on a run. Obviously, I think at this point, tanking is out of the question. If they were going to do that at any point, they would have done it a lot earlier and just accepted that fact and made some moves to blow up the roster ahead of the trade deadline. That's not the case. They brought in Pearl. They were buyers instead of sellers. So now we're running with this roster with the intention and hope that everyone's going to stay healthy and that they can vie and hopefully sneak into the playoffs. But at this point, it's looking more so that they're likely going to end up in the play-in. Single game elimination, you're going up against probably like a Miami Heat, for example, Atlanta Hawks, Chicago Bulls, Washington Wizards, all grouped in there together. So what are the Raptors going to do again? Masai Ujiri has kind of already stated this, that this is a prideful team and they want to go as far as they can go with this roster. If they realize at the end of the season, that maybe it's time to make some drastic moves. Sure. They'll do that because they'll have the pieces that are expiring and they can reshape the roster and hopefully go for it again next season. But as of right now, especially, you know, with this upcoming schedule, we got, we got games against the bulls. We got two coming up against the wizards how this season ultimately ends could be determined in the next week. So again, yeah. at the start of the season, maybe we didn't look at a stretch like this as having much significance, but now with the way the standings are and how tight it is in this Eastern conference play in race, again, the Raptors are going to have to hold down the Ford and pull out some W's to really make some noise.
0: I completely agree with that. And and when I was sort of looking at their schedule Defensive, I, I was really focusing in on what the Raptors really look like defensively. Because to me, I'm sure. like, if they can maintain a good defense, and they've been a top five defense in the month of February, which, yes, is a truncated month and has a break in between. But if they can be a top 10 defense, if they can be a top five defense, I can see them put on a, a string of wins to close out the you know the final 20 games of the season because their offense has been top 10, top 11 for most of the year as is, I think, with Fred Van Vliet and with the depth that now you have with Jakob Pertl and all these pieces around, I think the Raptors can truly put on a run, but it just depends on what they look like defensively because we've seen this team just absolutely fall asleep. So I'm not here to be like, oh, they finally have a room protector, tr- protector. they finally have someone on the back line of their defense you can anchor it, they'll be all set and they'll be all good because as we've seen, the Raptors still deploy an incredibly aggressive defense, and if you're lackadaisical in any way, it kind of falls apart so to me it's just like do they care because you'll see that they care by how they play defensively and if they're playing up to it I really do see this team sort of going on a run in those final 20 games as you mentioned the playoffs seem really really tough the nets are refalling but the nets just have too many banked in wins and also All of those wins against the Raptors, like Kyrie's game winner right now, (laughs) all of those um, game winners against the Raptors are really sort of hurting you if you think that you can catch up with them. I just think that they're too far out. But that seven seed is probably looking good for the Raptors. I would pencil them in somewhere around that seven mark.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I posed this question on Twitter earlier yeah. as well. I mean, if the Raptors get to a certain point, you know, if they get out of the play-in or if they get into the playoffs altogether, if you're looking at those top three teams in the East, and let's be perfectly frank here, the Celtics, the the Bucks, the 76ers, they're not looking at the Raptors as a team that could potentially eliminate them. I yeah. think they're looking at, at them as a team that they just don't want to match up, uh, up against that early in the playoffs because yeah, they will be a tough out. I'm not saying, you know, maybe they'll be any harder than like the Miami Heat, for example, they have a championship pedigree as well. But at the same time with with this new look Toronto Raptors, especially with Pirtle at the five you if, if you're vying to go deep into the playoffs you don't want Toronto that early you're looking yeah. at like a potential early first round matchup give me Washington give me Chicago give me a team that theoretically on paper will be an easier out so that's why I'm I'm really yeah I'm obviously biased I'm a Toronto Raptors guy but I'm zoning in on how this season unfolds because if they do get you into said 2020
0: three champs. You can't take that back, Walter. It's been set into stone.
1: Did I say that out loud? <laughs> Did I say that? Look, history has taught me that, so I'm going to stick with it. But again, <laughs> at the same time, those upper echelon teams that want to vie for a championship, they're looking at the standings very closely. I can guarantee you that. And yeah. they do not want Toronto, especially if they continue to put some wins together. Don't look at this Cavaliers loss as anything but an aberration at this point. If it yeah. consistently happens, then get back to me.
0: I know I completely I completely agree with you and I was listening to I, I think I we was listening to Kevin Pelton on a pod earlier today and he said something that I thought was really interesting in the way that the Raptors are probably obviously he's he's not saying this with any sort of knowledge or talking, you know, talking to the team just sort of looking at why the Raptors made the move that they made for Jakob Pertle as, as buyers at the deadline and he's like, you know, with all of these rumors about James Harden wanting to go to Houston and the Nets in free fall. The Raptors right now probably look at the Knicks and are like, yeah, we're better than them. And they look at the Nets and they're like, yeah, we're better than them. So that would make us, what, the top five seed in the East. And then if you have the Sixers kind of dismantle, you're like, hey, can we get into that sort of other tier? So really, they're looking at the East kind of fall apart and they're saying to themselves, Can we be in the upper echelon at some point? Can we be there with the Cleveland Cavaliers? Which is why I thought today's game was such uh, an important matchup. Now, unfortunately, you don't have Fred Van Bleet, And I just don't think that this team will have what it takes offensively to be able to (laughs) withstand, uh, you know, Donovan Mitchell barrage. So I, I just sort of look at that this game tonight as something to sort of toss aside. But it's been clear that the Raptors have had the Cavs numbers and have matched up well with them in the past. So I I was really interested in listening to Kevin Pelton kind of frame it in that way cuz I didn't even think about where this team looks like looks like next year what the te- what this team looks like next year in an Eastern Conference that will more than likely change right we know Brooklyn is falling out we don't know what the Knicks are going to be <laughs> any given year we also kind of look at the Cavs and say hey you guys made this push is there something that we can do to shore up our depth de- next year and you have a center and you have this where we can believe that we're in a similar tier than you and if so then we've just entered the upper echelon of the Eastern Conference which I thought was really interesting and it's why these final 20 games matter so much because now is the time to prove it otherwise why believe in this team for next season at all
1: I, I said this on Twitter as well if the Raptors traded for Yaka Pearl over the summer or earlier in the season they would not have the record that they do right now oh yeah And I think that's been evident over their recent play, the offensive rating and the defensive rating that they've had when you're talking about the standings as well. I truly believe that there's only three teams in the Eastern conference at the moment that are unquestionably better than Toronto. And that's Milwaukee, Boston, and Philadelphia. Brooklyn, obviously they had a strong start because of who was on their team, which is no longer the case. I do not think the Knicks are better than the Raptors, regardless of what their fans might think. And then again, everyone in the play in right now with Chicago, Washington, Miami, I don't think any of them I can say with full confidence is a better basketball team than the toronto raptors i think the move for portal obviously helps and the goal this offseason will be to keep him hopefully gary trent jr and fred van vliet the money is a different story that'll be difficult to do as well but you head in the next season with a little bit of momentum and with a roster that fully fits the capabilities of this team with nick nurse at the helm then you're talking about a team that could be vying for home court advantage in the eastern conference
0: yeah. No. And, and not to get too ahead of ourselves. Let's let's take a step back and look at or. Let's no, it's never too tomorrow. soon to
1: go too ahead of ourselves. You know what? Iman. It's That's true. What we do here. It's
0: true. Let's plan <laughs> the 2024 parade because you know what? The 2019 parade, it was fun, but I think it needed some more planning. So let's get ahead of it now and let's plan it early. But no, um, tomorrow, not tomorrow, Tuesday, <laughs> tomorrow when you're watching <laughs> this. Uh, the Raptors will be facing the Chicago Bulls, who you mentioned are a team that we can't definitively say are better than the Raptors. But let me tell you something. They've been shooting absolutely lights out. They won today by 20 points against the Washington Wizards, who the Raptors, again, are in that sort of play and race with. And then they absolutely demolished. Just ate for lunch, breakfast, dinner, and, you know, midnight snacks. The <laughs> Brooklyn Nets. None of this is making sense, guys, okay? This is my first time in front of a mic in a minute. Um, but... No, so they absolutely demolished the Brooklyn Nets. And so the team looks a little scary right now. They're really small. So I'm looking at how the Raptors match up with them. Alex Caruso plays the four for them, right? Like when we're talking about a team like the Cavaliers, you're just like, oh, okay, Jared Allen and Evan Mobley are very big humans. And you're going to a team like the Chicago Bulls. It's very different. But when their shot is on, It is scary when you have both Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan going off. It's scary. However, for them, that just has not been the case most nights. And this offense has not been what they've been able to produce most nights. And so what do you think the Raptors look like against that Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, Chicago Bulls?
1: Well, it's going to be difficult because Chicago is especially feisty on defense now that they got Patrick Beverly in the fold, but oh, yeah. with with Beverly's defense comes his uh, lack thereof on the offensive end, but that's kind of deterred by the fact that you obviously have two exceptional wing talents in DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine. You don't need Patrick Beverly to score 15 or 20 points a night. You don't need Alex Caruso to score 20 points a night. They have very concise. Alex Caruso's like
0: fifth. <laughs> I, like, I give you eight. I'll,
1: I'll take my manscaped money. I'll do whatever <laughs> you need to do. Like, let me just steal the ball and run in transition, and that's all I need to do. But that's what kind of I like about the makeup of the Bulls right now. They're not going to be an easy out. They're in the same position. As the Toronto yeah. Raptors, they're circling the state on the calendar as a big game in terms of positioning in the Eastern Conference standings. And, of course, with DeMar DeRozan's pass against the Toronto Raptors, no. he always, you know, he's another guy who circles Revenge it on the calendar. Game. Oh, I'm playing my own team. Revenge game, in a sense. I think the Raptors have the matchup advantages to start, but now they are coming back down to earth and again the Washington Wizards also in that play picture as well like I said earlier this is a very important game the Raptors can't play Chicago's game which is kind of slowing it down and then again they will get right up in your grill if you think Cleveland was doing that a lot today Chicago will do that and then some
0: yeah and and if I got you to look into your crystal ball again Chris because I know that you double as a fortune teller um
1: (laughs) my head is big but it's not a crystal ball unfortunately i'm just kind of using the (laughs) mic here
0: (laughs) um what would you predict the outcome of that game is do you think the raptors pull it out on tuesday night
1: what do you want me to say, Amon? I'm, I'm on Yahoo Sports Canada. I'm talking about the Toronto Raptors. No, the Chicago Bulls. They got our number. DeMar DeRozan.
0: <laughs> hey, there are some people Look, who really want you to say that because they're still on Team Tank. So, you know,
1: I, they'll make
0: someone happy.
1: I will say this. I think DeMar DeRozan's going to have a, a great game against us. I think he goes for at least 28 to 30 points. But I like the Raptors' chances of pulling it out. Again, I am not you know, dwelling on the past or in this case, the current with how this Cleveland Cavaliers game went. I think the Raptors truly do want to make the most of this end of the season. And again, the Chicago Bulls are are standing in their way when it comes to moving up in that play in or even getting into the Eastern Conference standing. So with that being said, let DeMar get his, if you can stifle either Levine or Vucevic in the paint, that's great. I think the Raptors pull this out.
0: Yeah, I I want to remain optimistic as well, but you know what? My reverse jinx has been impeccable all year, so it's gonna be a tough game. I'm so sorry, Toronto Raptor fans. Unless you're a team tank, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just trying to be. I'm just trying to take a contrarian stance here. But the Raptors, should, the Raptors <laughs> should win it, and if they don't, that's a problem. Like I think with with still every got two game games
1: against Washington, you know what I mean. It's not the it's, end of the it's, world, it's, but. Trying but I it.
0: I think that like I to me beyond it being a problem just for where you sit in the standings to me it's a problem because you need to look at yourself as a team that's better than the Chicago Bulls. Right? Like if you are trading a pick for Yakperdol and according to Gavoni it is not a great draft class and everybody should be trading their 2024 pick so that's kind of uh you know if you want to take solace in that uh that was what was said on the low post but um I think if you're the Raptors right now you're like we traded a first round pick Because we believed in this core and we believed in what you guys can do. And if you're still not good enough against the Chicago Bulls, that's a problem. Because this is a game that actually matters. This isn't just a random game in January or a random game in February or March. I don't even know when the new month begins. But this is a game that actually matters for The outlook of this team, it matters to go up against this team and actually win. You can say the Cavs won was a game that you were going to lose because it was a second night of a back to back because you don't have Fred Van Vliet, because you're not actually chasing them in the standings. Okay, fine and dandy, you're going to lose some games along the way, but the Chicago Bulls is a game that you're supposed to win. And so if you lose it, I do think that that's a problem.
1: And as well, look, you got Jakub Pertl for games like this. He matches yeah. up great against Avusevich. If, yeah. if you had Pertl on this roster earlier in the season when a Zubac from the Clippers and Steven Adams were putting up crazy numbers against us, they're not doing anything close to that if Pertl's out there. Yeah. So again, he matches up well against Avusevich. And again, if you can keep Demar or, or Zach Levine... These are the matchups the you field, got him
0: for, for sure. No These reason are the to exact... think
1: Toronto won't win this game.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. These are the exact matchups that you got him for. So like, hey, this is this is when you got to prove it, that you're worth keeping together because free agency is going to come. And how are you going to convince yourself it's worth paying almost entering luxury tax? I don't think the Raptors are going to enter the luxury tax for this team, but brushing up against it at the very least for a team that can't even beat the Chicago Bulls in a must win game. So that's that's sort of my thoughts on it. But um, yeah, so I'm going to predict a win. But that just feels a little doom and gloom. So let's actually talk about some fun stuff. Let's talk about the playoffs as though it's going to happen. Let's manifest this in the way that we're speaking. We're speaking it into existence. So, Chris, I love the stats that you pull out. I love the numbers that you pull out. I love you telling me when Scotty Barnes overtakes someone in the Raptors all-time scoring list. And so I thought I would play a game with you. Because Ooh, the focus right. is the playoffs. That's where my mind is at. I'm trying to manifest this, so I want Scotty to make some of these playoff boards. Um, but uh, let's let's look at this. Okay, so I'm gonna ask you some playoff all time Raptor questions. Ooh. Do you think you're ready?
1: Absolutely not, but I'm gonna do it anyway. All
0: right, we'll start with we'll start with an easy one. We'll start with an easy one. Who has played the most minutes for the Toronto Raptors in the playoffs?
1: Ooh, I mean, my mind—it's an say... easy one. Kyle Lowry.
0: That is correct. That is correct. Do you yes. know who's number two on that list? Number two, <laughs> um, Demar. It is Demar Derozan. It is Demar Derozan. Yes. <laughs> Can you? I'm not completely um, useless. <laughs> No, it it, it, like what I thought was so funny was when I was going through it, Kyle's played like over around 3,100 minutes and tomorrow's like 1,900. And I'm like, wow, Kyle really is just the longevity there, like more than a thousand over the next person. Like that is absolutely absurd considering some guys are on the list with just a thousand minutes um, on their own. So I thought that was uh, just absolutely hilarious. Now, can you tell me, I'm going to tell you Kyle Lowry is first for games played. Sure. in the playoffs for the Toronto Raptors who do you think is second in games played for the Toronto Raptors hi kitty cat
1: my cat just came up here he wants to help he heard there was a trivia game going on and he, he's usually my the brains behind do this you
0: have the answer cat
1: so so sorry what was the question again as my is my cat's tail just clotheslined me
0: Kyle Lowry has uh played the most Raptor playoff games who is second mm-hmm. on the list
1: I guess it's not Demar. Because I feel like that would have been a pretty straightforward question. The second most games in, in Raptors. Payoffs. That's history. a tough one. Was it someone who was a part of the, the 2019 championship team? Yeah. Yes? Ooh, that's even. Oh, man, that narrows it down a bit. It's not Gasol. Well, the Raptors didn't green. really
0: make the playoffs outside of that entire era.
1: Yeah, that's true. <laughs> like, um, this is not
0: like, I don't know. This is not.
1: I'll Why say can't I think of OG? Is it OG?
0: It is not OG Ananobi. I will tell you, OG is not on my list here.
1: Ooh, okay. Well, Pascal's been kind of—you know what it is?
0: Because OG didn't actually play in any of the twenty nineteen. Oh games.
1: right, yeah, you're absolutely yeah. right. He did not play in that run. Ooh, good, good one. Um, is it Pascal?
0: Pascal is fourth.
1: Also, he's not too far back.
0: He's not too far.
1: Um, back. and he was a part of the twenty nineteen championship team.
0: So he was a part of the twenty nineteen championship team.
1: Can't be Bach. Can't. And this is the second most. Oh man. You're, Can you're I tell you,
0: you just said a name who is third on the list. Abaka? Abaka's third on the list.
1: Abaka's third? Good yeah. for you, Serge. Or as uh, as Aman's uh, Amon's mother pronounced in a text message, Serge Ibka. Ibka. Uh for the people who follow her on Twitter, by the way. Um the <laughs> only other the only other name I'm gonna guess Norman Powell.
0: That is correct, Norman Powell. Is six, Norman seven Powell? playoff games for the Toronto Raptors. He is number two all time on that list. You know, because he he is the the oldest of the of the young guys, right? Like he is yeah. the oldest of those young guys. So he was drafted a year before them.
1: I, I blocked him out of like my playoff <laughs> perception ever since he took off from way too far out again in that Pacers game, and I was about to like scold the guy because I thought, man, if you missed this breakaway dunk because you took off too oh, soon, it was a beauty. But, uh, it was a beauty. Okay. Norm, I guess.
0: <laughs> Um. Okay. So, who do you think is first in points? We're almost done here. I'm just, we're just gonna hammer out some of these last few ones.
1: Sure. The 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 leading scorer in Raptors history for playoffs.
0: For yeah, playoff points.
1: Uh, I'll say I don't think it's is it Demar.
0: No, he's second.
1: N- Demar second. Um, Kyle.
0: It is Kyle Lowry. It's now, Kyle what again, I want eh? you to guess is number three and number four. So we know Kyle's number one. Um, Demar's number two, who are your number three and number four for all time playoff points for the Toronto Raptors?
1: Watch Kawhi probably in there. Eh? Kawhi is number was four. Absurd. What the hell? Yeah. Kawhi, Kawhi went off during that 2019 championship <laughs> run. Gosh. Shout out to that guy on Twitter that said Mark Gasol was more valuable than Kawhi Leonard during that Absurd. entire playoff run. I wanted to block him immediately for that. Absurd. Get out of here. with that. Hot take.
0: Absurd. Uh, so,
1: so Kawhi is number four. Number three.
0: Yeah, like Vince is like um, numbered like eight on this list, and Kawhi is number four in a single season.
1: Yeah, That's Vince there. didn't Vince didn't get many playoff uh, games uh, with no. the Raptors, unfortunately, because the, the, early on the the first round was like three games five too, games. so he didn't get that extra game. Or yeah, yeah five games. Five, yeah, ex- yeah. Sorry. Um, so sorry. So. I mean, the Raptors won the the
0: first round in five games against the Orlando Magic, too. So, Vince, you have no excuses, buddy. (laughs) That's
1: true. Is it Pascal Siakam?
0: Pascal Siakam is number three. That is correct. All right. So now the last one that I'm going to quiz you on. Okay. Mm -hmm. There are two people who are tied for most rebounds in Raptors playoff history. Can you name the two people?
1: Now you're now you're throwing rebounds at me. See, without basketball reference, I'm like totally oblivious to this stuff. Shout uh, out this, to the Scotty Barnes run, by the way. <laughs> I haven't done a tweet like that in a minute because he hasn't passed so anybody. Yeah, no, it's,
0: it's, um,
1: it's, rebounds. Gotta wait. Um, man, Pascal again?
0: No.
1: No, is no it like a, there must be a center? Pascal's there must be number. A center.
0: Pascal's number four on the list.
1: Pascal's number four. Mm-hmm. Kawhi wouldn't have had that money. No um like number
0: six on the list by Demar.
1: tomorrow's probably oh oh so uh DeMar's oh gave five. that
0: up DeMar's yeah, yeah i don't five on DeMar. the list <laughs>
1: you know what i would not be surprised so if you if have lowry was you... up there i think lowry's up there
0: lowry's number one tied with yeah
1: lowry's probably number one right yeah i was
0: like go. i was going through this and i was like yeah lowry obviously for points yeah lowry for minutes lowry for games played lowry for rebounds <laughs> he just
1: had, <laughs> like, had to like box out a
0: second Know, baby got back second. and Lowry got back. Kyle he Lowry to, like, and Jonas Valanciunas are tied first overall. They they have the exact same. So Kyle, you should have gotten one more one more rebound in that championship run. Or you know, I would the, have said
1: like, Valanciunas just for the record. You know, just putting. I'm sorry,
0: I game. took that from you. I took that from you. But well, like, because Lowry <laughs> to me was a surprise. I was like, oh, like Jv, yeah, that makes sense. Wait, Lowry, <laughs> like what?
1: Mr. <Mister laughs> so, rebound, Kyle um, Lowry. There's one thing okay. associated. with Kyle Lowry played. other than charges. Yeah, board. Hey. <laughs> Look at that. There we go. There
0: we go. It was fitting to close on rebounds. Well, thank you so much, Chris, for joining me. Hopefully, Pascal, Fred, OG, Norm, Scotty can all rise up the all-time playoff rankings this year. Kitty cat, do you agree with me? What's your cat's name? So I'm not just referring to it as kitty cat. His name is Walter. His name
1: is Walter. And my last name is Walter. Walter Walder. Hi, Mr. Walter Walder. Walder. There That's you go. adorable. We, we, we can't, we're, we, we don't, we're not having children. And we agreed that if we ever did, Walter was a name that my wife really wanted to name someone. But uh, the cat was a, you know, we don't want to send a Walter Walter would, to the I, playground. You know you what know, I mean? It's your, not good for
0: that child, Your future child, if you ever choose to have one, thanks you for that decision, I think.
1: Saved him from years of ridicule on the
0: playground. <laughs> Walter Walter. That's great. Chris, thank you so much for joining me. Please tell everybody where they can find you and all of your work.
1: I'm at Walder Sports on Twitter. Uh, the Walder Sportscast is back. Shout out to my first guest, the lovely Aman. Here, uh, we had a great show. Look for that on Monday morning. So by the time this is released, it'll already be out. Subscribe to my show on Apple Podcasts. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the future of, of the show. And I'm I'm beyond grateful and beyond appreciative to be asked to come back here on Yahoo Sports Any Canada. Uh, it truly means a lot. Fun.
0: Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you everyone for listening. And we'll catch you next time, hopefully after some wins.